Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... Another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Armageddon 2000 is hilarious because the whole show, the whole card is built on this six-man Hell in a Cell which is going to go down in our main event. And because WWE or WWF is so aware that they don't really have much for the rest of the running time, they spend most of it going, please, just hang around, please, I don't know, have a drink, have some food, go and call your friends up, I promise you. When we get to the end, we're going to have the most violent, the most gruesome thing you've ever seen. But until then, just be patient. And I get it too, because come on, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle, The Rock, Undertaker, Triple H... And Rikishi, we'll talk about him in due course. But it's basically a who's who's of the Attitude Era, and you have a stipulation that basically kicked off that whole thing to begin with. It is very exciting. And also, the theme of Armageddon 2000 is just a clear ripoff of Lilith Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, honestly, it's like... It just picks the odd note here and there and changes it. You may as well call it Lovely House Louisiana. In terms of numbers, WWF was actually quite worried about this because it was the first event in ages that they hadn't sold out. So the Jefferson Civic Center went around and just comped a bunch of tickets and even said, hey, we've got an XFL team in the area. If you buy a season ticket for that... You can come to Armageddon 2000 for free. It's not like he didn't make a tremendous amount of money because it did, but you'd have to go all the way back to September 1999 and the Unforgiven pay-per-view to the last time this happened, which meant they had gone 13 shows straight and they filled it to the rafters. If you want to go before Unforgiven as well, that would be all the way back in July 1997 when we had the Canadian Stampede event. And that doesn't make any sense because that show kicked ass. Over on the other side, there was a bunch of rumors that said that WCW was going to be for sale soon. And (laughs) that came around and proved to be true. But there was also mumblings that the like of Terry Taylor or Tony Schiavone or Johnny Ace wanted to take over the damn thing. Also, Eric Bischoff was coming up with a deal where he was going to be in charge. And he was this close. And then TNT went, you know what? We don't really want wrestling on our station anymore. World Championship Wrestling was dead. And if you want a review of Raw back in December 2000, I found this amazing quote that just said, if you're a fan of long interviews and promos, this was for you. But when it comes to the wrestling, not so much. (laughs) The more things change. So now you know, make sure you hit the subscribe button, like the video, share the video, and subscribe. But more importantly, settle your ass in and let's up those downs for Armageddon 2000. Now, the start of the pay-per-view, all things considered this week, is just super duper sad 
because one of the first people you see is Pat Patterson. Obviously, he passed away a couple of days ago. Once again, just thoughts and feelings and everything else to his friends and family. WWE really has to dedicate the Royal Rumble in 2021 to Mr. Patterson. He invented the damn thing. And not only that, every single one that you enjoyed, he's the guy that came up with the structure. Rest in peace. Him and Gerald Briscoe are in true Stooges mode here, and they're going to this limousine, and they're letting Vince McMahon out, and all of this is just a joy. Now, if you don't know, if you don't remember, the story is that the Raw general manager, Mick Foley, had created the Hell in the Cell for this evening. Vince McMahon didn't want it, so Gerald Briscoe's like, Mr. McMahon, I'm so sorry. Mick Foley set up the Hell in the Cell. <laughs> of course he did. That's what the whole show is based upon. The McMahon says, oh, don't worry, I've got a plan. And he goes to, I don't know, rip it down with his bare hands. And then Gerald Briscoe goes, would you like a cup of coffee, Mr. McMahon? And he goes, coffee? No, I don't want no damn coffee. These three are great. Our first match is in the Hardy Boys and Lita taking on the Rascals, Sans Chris Benoit. And do you want to know what the story was? Lita had been feuding with Dean Malenko. And because she lost a match to him, now or then, she had to go on a date. You couldn't enforce that stipulation, people would be mad. You also then see some of the highlights from said day, and not only is Dean Malenko so creepy, but Lita had dressed up for this. Why would you dress up? You didn't want to go. You'd turn up in a bin bag. Dean also spends the whole time going, hey, I know you want me. And by the time they get back to the hotel room, and Lita is barely dressed in any clothes, the lights go off, and when they come back on, Matt Hardy is there, and he smashes a bottle over Dean Malenko's head. Then Jeff Hardy just comes out of the abyss, and he attacks him too. They smash up this hotel room. And I was like, well, look, I'm not particularly fond of Dean Malenko, but you three, you're just as bad. As for the match... Yeah, I suppose it's all right. Oh. The main issue is, is that I think all six have been told, if you go longer than 10 minutes, we are going to shoot you when you come back through the curtain. Because this is just go, 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 boo, 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 boo. Guerrero is gone in two minutes after Elite, a twist of fate and a Jeff Hardy swanton bomb. And as always, thumbs up for Eddie Guerrero for always doing what's best for business. And then Perry Satin sneaks in there. He drills Jeff Hardy with the DVD and it's goodbye to Jeff. Satin is taken out by Matt Hardy. And then, of course, Dean Malenko uses the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll up to get rid of him, which means the last two are Dean Malenko versus Leah. And it is kind of weird to see intergender wrestling in WWE because they're so against it now. And as I've said before, there is no right or wrong here. If you like intergender wrestling, great. If you don't like intergender wrestler, great. All that really matters is that all the wrestlers in the ring have agreed to it and they should be able to do whatever the hell they want. Also, I forgot to say, Terry Runnels is the manager of the Rascals and she gets speared by Lita at one point. And if you want to know why, I don't know. It does finish with Lita tapping out to the clover leaf, and then she's all sad like, I know I can beat him, I know I can beat him. Because of course, eventually she would. Well, maybe she didn't. I don't remember. This was 20 years ago, and I no longer care. Kurt Angle was then doing body squats in the back, wearing his WWF title. I mean, the man just knew what he was doing. And when Lillian Garcia, who's on interview duties, tries to get a few words, he is so pissed off because he's like, Lillian, what are you doing? Why are you interrupting me in the middle of training? And I was like, yeah, it's a really good point. He also wants to know whether Lillian knows any Bulgarians because he beat a bunch of Bulgarians on the way to becoming Olympic gold medalist. So how the hell are five WWE jabrones going to stop him on this evening? It's just a cut angle you know and love. He's amazing in the ring. He's an absolute goof backstage, but it makes you laugh. I enjoyed it. More importantly than all of that, though, that's right, it's me, the younger version of Simon Miller. I lost my glasses. So I thought, why not replace them with an eye patch? But welcome to another episode of This Dude Looks Like They're Just Born. And there, this time, 
It is Kurt Angle. He's got his hair. He looks so youthful. I always like to point out this is not a knock on them. It's a knock on time, if anything else, because it's sneaking around coming to steal all our youthful looks. I just can't believe it. Like every time I go, what the flip? I know it. Uh, let's just move on. It's then right into William Regal versus Hardcore Holly. And this just screams, oh my gosh, these two guys are going to try and kill each other. And the European title is on the line. And yet, even the first punch Hardcore Holly gives William Regal, it's like he doesn't know wrestling is at work. And even though Hardcore Holly is in his home state and William Regal is so much better when you give him some time, they don't even get five minutes. And it's all for naught too, because during the end, Raven comes out, he hits Hardcore Holly with a DDT, William Regal just sneaks up and pins him, one, two, three, he's still the European champ. Down. I do want to point out that William Regal is absolutely tremendous. From his overly British music, to his smile, to the way he waves, to the fact he cut a promo beforehand when he said, look, you're all a bunch of inbred hicks that have sex with your pets. That's what he said. He's just so much fun. He's so entertaining. He's always happy to look like a goof. I really, really like William Regal. And because he's from over here on the British Isles, he's a little bit of an inspiration too. Second interview for our big main event. And now we were talking to Rikishi. And of course, this was the quiche during his I did it. For the rock stage. I mean, I don't know what the hell this was. He no longer trusts Triple H because Triple H just screwed him over a little bit. And this just didn't work. It just didn't work. Nobody wanted to see Rikishi as a bad guy. They wanted to see him dance and they wanted to see him take his ass and put it in other people's faces. I know that sounds really flubbed up, but it was. We're to blame. We're the ones who cheered it on. I do respect WWE for trying. I really do. But, you know, with the power of hindsight, it wasn't a good idea. Rikishi also says that he's going to sacrifice everybody in the match. And do you know what the definition of that word is? An act of slaughtering. Sheesh. Next is Val Venus versus China. What the hell was WWE in 2000? Down. It's more into gender stuff and we've already gone over that. That's not the reason why this is bad. This is bad because it barely lasts a hiccup and it ends once again with yet more distractions. This is during the Val Venus who's in right to censor and Ivory's there. And Ivory just grabs China's foot and then Val Venus hits a perfect plex. One, two, three, and he loses. Then China goes to powerbomb Ivory, but Val Venus is back again. So he powerbombs her. It is just ridiculousness, ridiculousness after ridiculousness. Also, we talked about this before. Right to censor's entrance music makes me want to burn my ears. And don't give me that crap you gave me last time in the comments, Simon, you're bad guys. That's how you're meant to feel. I should never feel like I want to set fire to bits and pieces of my body. It sucks. Also, from start to finish, this is like six minutes, even with all the fighting in the middle. And I kind of understood where WW was coming from. I was like, yeah, when's that Hell in a Cell match? And then, man, WWF went all WWF. Sit down and let's discuss it. Hello and welcome to yet another Out of Context Wrestling. Well, I will present to you what happened in Armageddon 2000, and you can just make your own little mind up. Let us start at the start. Despite her parents, Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon, about to be getting divorced, Stephanie McMahon went up to Father Vince and was much more concerned about the hell in the cell because she was worried about her beloved husband, Triple H, which is his real name, and what may happen to him. Of course, this only went down because WWE was flipping obsessed with letting you know that the Hell in a Cell was dangerous. The Undertaker then proceeded to do an interview from inside the Hell in a Cell, where for approximately 15 minutes, he told us why he intends to kill somebody on this evening, because at the King of the Ring 1998, he wasn't successful. I kid you not, this went on for so long that good guy The Undertaker slowly turned in to the biggest heel 
of all time. He finished it off by saying, the more he bled, the more I wanted him to bleed, which is an absolute bonkers thing to say. And then back in the ring, out came Vince McMahon, Gerald Briscoe, and Pat Patterson, who not only told fans to stand up if they wanted the Hell in a Cell match to be cancelled, and some actually did, and also reminded us that he was too good for his wife, Linda. All of this was incredibly, incredibly awkward. Honestly, all of that takes forever. It takes forever. That's about 30 minutes worth of this pay-per-view. I was like, why are you selling me the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? If I transport myself back to 2000, I've already bought the thing. This is like going to McDonald's, you buy your meal, and you just continue to throw money at the cashier. You don't need to do it. Honestly, down. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Next up was Kane versus Chris Jericho in not only a last man standing match, but also a, huh, I don't remember that feud ever happening on pay-per-view contest, which is a very catchy title. And you remember how this thing kicked off. Jericho had accidentally spilt coffee on Kane. And because Kane had been burned as a child, he took this as a very big insult, like, ah, my name's Kane. You are insulting the fact that I was burned as a child. Even though he's talking at this point, He's not using his voice box. That was years ago. So it was absolutely gibberish on a fundamental level, but they had a very fun match up. They were kicking each other's asses backstage to kick things off, including both punching Midian at the same time. I was like, poor Midian. Ever since he got kicked out of the Ministry of Darkness, he's got nothing. And really, the whole structure of this match is, Kane does terrible things to Chris Jericho, but to get Chris Jericho over as a fighting babyface, he keeps getting up. Teddy Long is also the referee for this, so I was waiting for him to grab a microphone and say, you're about to go on a singles match with The Undertaker player. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. And eventually, they go back to the backstage. That doesn't make any sense. And they try, well, Jericho tries to give Kane a bulldog through the table, and that table does not break. It looks horrendous. Which you can also kind of say about the finish, because they're fighting around the aisleway, and straight away, you see it from like a country mile off. 
There's all these barrels that have clearly been glued together, and Kane is like, oh no! And Jericho pushes them, and it pins Kane. So it's not really a last man standing match, because Kane could have stood up, but he can't because of the weight. That's a little bit stupid. It was, however, entertaining for what it was. You probably could have shaved a few minutes off of it. Well, look, given everything else is on this card, I was thankful that it existed. The coach is then interviewing Raw General Manager Mick Foley and goes, Sir, are you, are you regretting the fact that you made this Hell in a Cell? And I was like, man, I'm going to get a gun and I'm going to shoot myself in the head. We all know we're going to get the match. Why are we doing this dance? And I get it too. The cell is terrifying. I should be scared of the cell. Oh, I'm terrified, terrified. Also, Mick Foley's haircut here is kind of like the same one I had in school. And that made me a bit sad. I miss my hair. We also cut to WWF New York and Shawn Michaels is doing the hosting. This was not a good time for the heartbreak kid. Let's just move on. A big sign then should have fallen from the roof that said, hey, look at all our 2000 wrestlers. Because not only is it Edge and Christian, but they are taking on the Dudleys. They are taking on Road Dog and K-Quick, now known as R-Truth, as well as The Good Father and Bull Buchanan, who is a favorite here on Ups and Downs. Good to see you, Double B. Those two were amazingly the tag team champions. I suppose WWF tried to get the right to censor over. But yeah, I was zapped right into the start of the millennium. It's kind of the same as the opening matches. Once again, they are just zooming through all of this like the fate of death has been placed upon them if they do go over 10 minutes. And it's also exceptionally hard to watch because anytime the good father is in the ring, Jerry the King Lord just goes, man, I want to see the prostitutes back, JR. I really want to see them. I'm like, I don't need to listen to this no more. Fans also scream for tables throughout, but they don't actually get it. Aside from one point when Bubba and Devon use one as a weapon, but no one actually goes through the thing. So that was strange. And the Dudleys also do a doomsday device. And that move has to be up there with one of the most terrifying ever. Can I put you on my shoulders? And then this giant of a man will jump at you and you have to do a backflip. No thanks, I'm alright, I'd rather go bathe with the scorpion. Right to censor also utterly screw up because Stephen Richards, who is also out there, hits a DDT on Devon outside the ring, but he should have been looking what's happening inside the ring because Christian hits the unprettier and Edge pins Bubba. One, two, three, they're your brand new tag team champions. And the commentators try and put this over like, well, that's not very fair because Christian wasn't the legal man. I was like, really, guys? Really? You're trying to enforce the rules during the Attitude Era? There were no rules. There was only carnage. Now we cut to Triple H, and man, he is like the old version of Braun Strowman. Stephanie is saying, look, I'm really worried about you, love of my life. And Triple H just goes, you think I care about you? I only care about the championships. You're nothing to me, and you should know that. That's what he says. I mean, I've exaggerated a little bit, but he finishes it by saying too, even if it's my last breath, I have to breathe to become a champion. That's what I'm going to do. I'm like, Trips, H. What are you talking? If your last breath is to win the championship, someone's just going to pop over and take it and go, well, I'll be the champion now. That dude's dead. It's a bad move. Just a bad, bad move. Benoit versus Billy Gunn for the IC title followed. I don't like it. Down. It's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it just feels like a step too far because you can just feel the crowd are like, where's the hell in the cell? We want to see the hell in the cell. And then when they don't get it, they just completely switch off from that. And also, I don't want to be mean. I like Billy Gunn. But in this era, no one cared about him being IC champ. Gunn was also trying to recover from an injured shoulder at the time, which is why at one point he goes for like a tilt-a-world backbreaker. And because he is so worn out, he just drops Chris Benoit. And then they stare at each other like deer in the headlights, because clearly it wasn't meant to happen. I want the ground to swallow me whole. It was just one of those moments. Benoit also kind of panics too, because again, it was lost the plan. And he just locks on the crossface. And then Billy Gunn taps out. And we have a brand new IC champion. But there is no hoopla here whatsoever. It surely has to be one of the most mundane title changes you're ever going to see in your life. I mean, look, on the down low, 
you never need to watch it. JR is then talking to Stone Cold, and that was so funny. There is five other people in this match, but Jim Ross only cares about the safety of the rattlesnake. That's what he says, like, Steve, what are you doing? You're an injured man. You can't go into this, but it's okay, because the Bayard Renek has a plan. Even though he is a little bit intimidated, he's been drinking coffee all day, so everything will be fine. Who wants to tell him that's not how it works? The real shame is that we are pushing so hard here that Austin and Triple H hate each other because Triple H tried to run him over in a car and then in around about four months time, they're gonna be best friends. Wrestling. And talking of wrestling, it is then a 2000 WWF women's match and it is given two minutes. I mean, what can you do in two minutes? I can't even shave my stupid bald head in 12, two minutes, what I'm talking about. So what the hell was Molly Holly, Ivory and Trish Stratus meant to do? The answer was nothing, down. Molly Holly just hits a Liger Bond onto Trish Stratus and then Ivory pops up from nowhere and steals the pin, which we shouldn't have done because that's kind of the finish to the main event too. And then Test and Albert or TNA are out there and they're intimidating Molly Holly and then Crash Holly's there because they're in love or whatever the hell it was. And then the APA return and everyone's excited, but I wasn't because I didn't realize they'd been away. But the fans seemed to enjoy it. I suppose that was nice. And then surprise, surprise, who did we leave till the very last when it comes to all these promo offs for the main event? The Rock. You know the deal. This is when he was on fire. And he doesn't even say anything of note here. He just shouts and screams it and says, I'm going to sweat from my arms, I'm going to bleed from my ass. But it's the way he says it. He whips the audience up into a frenzy. I think I've said this before. I do need to say it again. He is just 2000 Rock. It's just a little bit like a velociraptor. Just go and watch him. The way he moves, kind of shrinks his neck around. He comes across like a dinosaur. A very good dinosaur, but a dinosaur all the same. And then finally we get to the main event. We get to this Hell in a Cell. And what WWE should have done is they should have said, hey, Armageddon 2000 is only going to be 33 minutes long, which is the length of this, because it just does everything right. It's all the action era carnage you'd expect. It has proper stars in it. The fans are going absolutely insane. It is a really fun watch, even 20 years later is getting it up. The real cool thing about it is the angle retains. And I remember first watching this when I was a fetus and thinking, well, there's no way that's going to happen. How's he going to overcome The Rock? How's he going to overcome The Undertaker? How's he going to overcome Triple H? How's he going to overcome Austin? I got to Rikishi, I was like, we don't have to worry about that. But the fact that he does steal one, it really did. It just summed up the character and made you go, oh man, maybe he is a proper WWF champion. Put it like this too, you have six guys in the ring, plus the expectation that they are going to try and kill each other, and they never get in each other's way. All the spots go perfectly. It is like watching a play, and yet it's happening in front of your face. Stay on the King sell this wonderfully like it is the most destructive match you've ever seen in your life, and Triple H is bleeding within about 32 seconds because he just wants to be Ric Flair. There's a really badass near for after a Stone Cold Stunner, and then out come Vince McMahon, Pat Patterson, and Gerald Briscoe. Now, this was always going to happen, given the story that we've been told, but this trio drive out in a truck with the intention of pulling down the Hell in the Cell. And let me tell you why that's the dumbest idea ever. One, if you'd actually done it, you'd probably kill some fans. The Hell in the Cell is massive. And two, why is there a bunch of hay and bedding in the back of your truck? I and mean, within the realms of kayfabe, what the flub are we doing? They still screw up because even throughout all this, they only pull off the door, which allows all six guys to just spell out into the R way. And then Mick Foley's here and he's beating up Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe because he just can't stand what they're doing. Then Vince McMahon gets arrested by security. None of it makes any sense. And he's just running around the whole time. Like, how am I trying to keep up? Throughout all of that, two Triple H takes Austin's head. He smashes it through a windshield and he's bleeding and then the Rock somehow gets attacked on the car and he's bleeding and then Undertaker's head just spontaneously opens up and he's bleeding. There is so much blood. It's here where things get nuts because despite all the errors that we'd seen before in previous years, every single person 
goes to the top of the hell in the cell. I mean, Angle gets up there and it's like, pfft, all of a sudden he's got the red stuff coming down his face. Eventually everyone goes down, thank goodness, but of course the last two are Undertaker and the Big Quiche. In a shot that's now infamous between these two, they do battle towards the edge. Undertaker grabs him by the throat and pushes him and he falls from atop of the structure onto that ridiculous bedding on the truck. And I know these days we roll our eyes and we're so stupid, but you have to think of it like this. Imagine you were up there with your back to everything and you just had to take a pratfall. It's absolutely terrifying. And no, it's not as bad as Mick Foley or some of the other things that we've seen, but I'm still gonna give all the respect in the world to Rikishi. I know deep down, I would be flipping terrified. You also had to do something like this because the fans expected it after Mick Foley had raised the stupid bar so high. But the real ingenious move is as soon as that is done, you cut back to the ring and who's about to face off the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin? It's like WrestleMania come early. There is just a flurry of moves at the end as you get stunners and rock bottoms and people's elbows and spine busters and who knows what else. But it is just such a creative way to end this because the Rock technically has Kurt Angle beat but then Stone Cold Steve Austin gives his the stunner, then Triple H is in there and he takes out the rattlesnake, which allows just in the corner, Angle to put his arm out, it falls over the great one, and he gets the one, two, three. I mean, this is not a dominant victory, but it's a victory all the same. It also allowed multiple paths to be accessible coming out of this, because it was a show in WWF between the years of 1998 and 2003, it of course had to end it with Stone Cold Steve Austin hitting Kurt Angle with the stunner and da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. Although here it was his disturbed music, so I guess it was a little bit different. The audience erupts with glee, which is all that really matters, but again, you should have just advertised it as a one-night show for the evening, because everything else here is absolutely poppycock. But look, on the strength of the main event alone, is getting it up. And of course we end with Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer star ratings, because my word, when I don't do it, people go kind of crazy, which is nice. The opening tag match got two and a quarter stars, that's probably fair. Regal versus Hardcore Holly got one and a quarter star, so it's a little bit of a whoopsie. Val Venus versus China got half a star, so screw that one. Chris Jericho versus Kane got two stars, I would have given it three, but who cares. Christian and Edge winning their tag team titles back got two and a half stars, also seems a little bit unfair. Chris Benoit versus Billy Gunn got two stars, I probably would have given it one. Ivory versus Molly Holly versus Trish Stratus got half a star and that main event got four and a half stars. Big Dave, I agree with you. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right <laughs> Hold now. it in. Hold on. And our current faves. And Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? 
Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 